Hey, I look around on this beautiful Monday morning. Hi, top the west side of Cherry Hill. I look around. I see the Whiz Kid. Where's the big guy? I don't know where he is where today. Is he? You can't find him. But who just walked in? We got the coach is back. The old guy. There he is. Smile, big guy. Smile. <laughs> coach Al, who, when many people say, oh, the days of wine and roses, he means the days of wine and Rojas. It's Coach Al back with us. Welcome back, Coach. Appreciate it. Yep. Good news is, uh, Bud, we're recording this week. We are recording this week, so there lots, shouldn't be any delays. Lots of mileage out of the fact that we had Frank on last week for 40 minutes, and Chad points to the record button, which was bright green, and that's a problem in our world, but uh, not this week. So uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, the Phils are the Phils, but before we dive into baseball, we have an exciting uh, guest today. He's, uh, he's published a lot of books on baseball, life in general. Kind of a cool guy. His name is Dan Holmes. And, Bud, you're about to dial up Dan right now. Yep. So rather we are, we are, than we are one twice. Yeah, right? we're one minute away here. We're going to be talking with Dan with a lot of uh, baseball defensive metrics um, and shortstop specifically. So on that note, let's see if we can get him yeah, on the line the, here. And I'll give the trigger. The trigger was a list uh, that Dan published recently, and it, the best defensive shortstops did not have – Larry Boa on it, uh, much to my dismay. So uh, I contacted Dan and said, would you come on? And Dan was gracious enough to say he will come on. We can't beat him up too much, but true to our style, Coach Al, we will keep it real. That's the only way to do it. That's what we do it here. And he really looks like a good guy, too. So, Hi, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. This is Chad with the uh, Speaking of Sports show here with Chuck and uh, Coach Al. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Howdy, Dan. Thanks for coming on. This is Chuck. We also refer to Chad as the Whiz Kid and uh, Coach Al. Coach Al has been around what coach for uh, 104 years? Close enough. A little off. Yeah, yeah. How you How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, thanks. All right. So if I give you the proper introduction, which I really stink at. Uh, you're a dad, uh, a great dad, I would imagine. You seem like a really good guy, writer, runner, pragmatist. Now, I'm going to take you to task on being pragmatic. We're gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're going to come back. It's all good fun. This show is always a good fun. Um, coffee lover. I may have to ask you a question about that. And did I read uh, Lemon? What the hell is the Lemon Bars? Lemon Bars? You've never had a Lemon Bar. Wow, that's nah. too bad. That's too bad. <laughs> We're wow. in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. What do we do? We like tasty them? cakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're ho You've been eating ho hos and you've been eating uh, little Debbies. Is that what you've been having? Uh, no, but you live in Michigan, right, Dan? Yeah, I do. Yep. I'm in Southwest Michigan. Yep. All right. So uh, our listeners are always so impatient. If we don't dive right in, boy, we used to talk about our weekend and the restaurants we went to. They're like, oh, we're not the least bit interested as a podcast. Dive in, dive in. So uh, we're at a starting point. Can you give us a little background on just your relationship with MLB, things that you've published, and maybe we can pivot off of that? Thank you, Dan. So I, I worked for the, uh, well, I, I started my own baseball website in the 1990s, which is, uh, you know, very, very early on, sort of a pioneer. And uh, that got the attention of some folks in baseball. 
and I was hired in the early 2000s by uh, the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and I became what really was kind of their first webmaster. That's what you know they called people back then that handled websites and stuff. I worked for the Baseball Hall of Fame for about 10 years and had a lot of fantastic experiences covering events and interviewing players and handling all kinds of things for the museum up in Cooperstown, which is where both of my kids were born, was up in Cooperstown. And then um, I was hired by Major League Baseball Advanced Media, MLB, it's called BAM, Major League Baseball Advanced Media. It's the technological arm of Major League Baseball. And I worked as a producer for them for just about two years doing all sorts of uh, content for their site. So that's uh, my relationship with um, with uh, the official um, baseball in the Hall of Fame. You've also published top 100 lists, is right? Am I correct on that saying that? Yeah. So today I have a website called uh, Baseball Egg, which is uh, where I get uh, where I, I spend my time producing any kind of baseball content. And yeah, the top 100 player rankings are the most popular by far on the site. Uh, that's uh, I have a ranking for every single position: the top 100 shortstops, top 100 pitchers, and uh, you know gets all sorts of. Uh, inform you know all kinds of information about the players. Uh, so some of it has some narrative about the players, but a lot of it's statistical oriented. But I wouldn't say that Baseball Egg is a necessarily a hardcore stats website. It it also has a lot of stories about the Hall of Fame, about the history of baseball, about comparing players to each other, and things like that. By chance, I'm sort of out of order here, uh, putting the uh, cart before the horse, as I'm apt to do. <laughs> uh, on the hundred list. You must drive. Is your vision still okay? Because I'll tell you, I'm 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 69 years old, and when I do this stuff over the weekend, like I just did, it was a rainy weekend, perfect for diving into the stats. Man, I start getting like headaches, I you know, and I gotta take <laughs> breaks. Do you ever get like weary? I mean, the numbers are just you hit one, and you, it it just takes you to another one. You get there, you got to go back. It's it's just never ending. Do you ever get just absolutely crazy into the numbers and you're like, I got to take a break because I get that way all the time. Yeah, sometimes um, I, I am um, the the rankings part of baseball egg is uh, going to be um, part of a book. It's going to be cool. the the bulk of a book, and you know, yeah, um, having to update those statistics. Uh, yeah, you get yeah. into this this situation where you're just like uh, looking at every single. But luckily, you know. Lou Gehrig, uh, you know, didn't play. He, he played his last game a long time ago. So, like, when you're talking about all the the iconic players of baseball history, their stats are pretty much set. So, you don't have, you right. know, you just have to update the current guys. But I'm right. with you um, that the, the line-by-line stats, sometimes you feel like you're working for the IRS. Oh, man, I'll tell you, yeah. And, and you know, where one category's low, a guy excels at another, so then you've mm-hmm. you got to scale out to try to balance one by just by uh well first question on your hundred uh best of uh who is your number one shortstop that you have on that list so cal ripkin ranks number one uh cal ripkin jr as far as uh, the top 100 rankings um i think it's hard to to go against that um one of the things that you'll see in the themes of my rankings is uh i'm a strong believer that baseball has gotten better over time it's gotten way better so um it's amazing. You know, even Bill James, who I have some respect for, uh, quite a bit of respect, he's issued some lists in the last few years where if you, um, and I did some work on this on my site, if you, if you look at the top 100 players overall, uh, not mm-hmm. just a position, something like 68 of them, so 68% of the players he picked in the top 100 played before 1950. 
Yeah, so my yeah. point is, it's just really hard to justify. I mean, I, I just can't believe that the greatest shortstop of all time was born in the 19th century and had yeah. his best years before World War One. Meaning Hannes Wagner, who I have respect yeah. for, He's, he was a great right. player. But I just think that a lot of lists don't want to go in and say, "Hey, you know, um, the greatest first baseman." For example, I think Albert Pujols is probably arguably um, the greatest first baseman, and almost everybody thinks Lou Gehrig still was. And Lou Gehrig didn't play the last season in 1939. I just think it's right. It's very difficult to make that argument based on how what we see in track and field and football and basketball with the evolution of players' abilities. Before I kick it over to uh, to Chad and, and Coach Al, I realize your top 100 list is all around, not just defense but offensive. Yeah. OPS. That said, Cal Ripken as number one couldn't find his way into your best uh, defensive shortstops that you published. Yeah, right, because uh, that was strictly on defense. And, you know, he his career overlapped with Ozzie Smith, who I think, uh, you, know, you know, almost everybody that's a baseball expert believes Ozzie Smith was, if not the greatest defensive shortstop, pretty close. But certainly during his career, um, Ozzie Smith stood out well ahead of many other great shortstops. There were other, I mean, Alan Trammell was a very good defensive shortstop. And Tony Fernandez was a very good defensive shortstop. And Alfredo Griffin was good. And Larry Bull was good. And Dave Concepcion doesn't make this list, even though I think Concepcion is, is very, very good. And I'd argue probably better than Larry Bull was. Um, but, um, and we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's the elite of the elite. I mentioned in my article about it on my site that it's the heavyweight championship of, defensive shortstops it's like who's you know sometimes there are a lot of great fighters and but there's only one heavyweight champ and that's uh so cal ripkin misses out yeah we're going to push back on that I mean, <laughs> you, get, you got a guy that not yeah well you're we're both going to agree that if a guy posts up he starts to accumulate riding time in wrestling it's riding time if to use that uh if if a player has twenty thousand innings played at shortstop and he still has great numbers you're going to weight him uh, higher than a comparable shortstop with 14,000 innings played, right? I mean, longevity and posting up really counts a lot, right? I mean, that's that's what we want in a player. Show up every day, get in the, in the box score, and contribute. And with Cal Ripken, you got a guy like Ozzy who plays 20,000 innings at shortstop. A lot of people confuse that and think it's third base. Uh, and has 11,000 chances. I put a lot of weight on chance to innings played ratio because okay. if you're going to be out there, you better be making some plays. So Ozzy has the highest I could find, 59% uh, of chances to innings played, and Cal's at 55%. That's really good, but he, in one year he had 900 chances. That is super elite. Only Ozzy. I think there's one other out there I did see with 900. I got to go find it. It's not on my list today. But he had 800 chances three times and 700 chances seven times. So Mm -hmm. he's a chance monster. And you say, okay, did that come at the cost of fielding percentage? No, 980, certainly not. A lot of guys with a lot of chances were posted 960 fielding percentages. They cheat the system. In other yeah. words, they, they, I could get the balls. I can't make the play. 
But in Cal Ripken's case, you know, he made 19 consecutive years of a, of a D war positive where these guys late in their career start to put up, as you well know, preach of the choir, a minus D war. He's 19 for 19 positive D war. How does he not make your list? Yeah, that's a, that's a good argument. I think that that argument is why um, you're defending my um, ranking of him as the, the number one greatest shortstop overall, yeah. and that's why. So um, I'll have to explain to your listeners that, you know, the list where I picked 100 players at every position is um, more like what you just said, whereas the list uh, or the decision, the article I wrote that, you know, I think you caught your attention on the, the, the greatest defensive shortstop of all yes. time is yes. more of a um, – it's a, uh, it's not a accumulation of over several years. I think that, uh, and I think I'll make this argument to push back at it would be, I don't think there's anybody who really um, was in baseball uh, from 1978 to 1995, let's say, right, which is the, the span of Ozzie Smith's career and pretty much uh, Cal Ripken, though Ripken came along a little bit later, who would have, if they were just going to trade, uh, going to pick a team and say, I want this guy to be my, my defensive shortstop. Not a bat at all. Don't even think about him ever picking a I'm bat up. They never you. would have. They never would have picked Cal, Cal Ripken over Ozzie Smith. No, so, I, I didn't say it, over, but he's got to be on your list. Well, well, hold on. Let me just find some common ground here because I think the arguments are, are you guys are running parallel for each other. And I'm trying to get the, the overlap. Okay. I think what Dan is saying is if you took Cal Ripken Jr. is, for lack of a better words, falls victim to the fact that. Ozzie Smith played yes. at the same time as him. Yep, if you yep. put Cal Ripken 10 years before Ozzie Smith, so put it down to the 60s, or if you put Cal Ripken in probably 2000, anywhere probably in the 2000s, yep. Cal Ripken is on this chronological list. Yes, yep. Dan is not having Cal Ripken on there because he's saying Cal was amazing, but Ozzie was, by not, again, 95% of people, better. So in that yep. timeline... Of the nineteen seventy nine, the nineteen ninety two. I'll just give one. He's only giving one. It's chronological, and that reign yeah, yeah. was Ozzy. Be- yep. And Cal is absolutely one of the best defensive of all time, but he can't fit yep. into that timeline. Yes, because Ozzy played. Yeah, it's a timeline. That that list is a timeline. For example, if you look at the thirties and forties, there was there was a dearth of great show. Like Luke Appling is on my list, but Luke Appling may not even be in the top 25 all-time defensively. It just happened between 1935 and 1940. They weren't particularly outstanding defensive shortstops. Pee Wee Reese is also on the list for about yeah. six years, and I don't think Pee Wee Reese is anywhere near Cal Ripken right. as a defender. Right, right. right. Yep. All right, that's why Chad gra- graduated number one from St. Joseph. <laughs> and, I, and I dropped out of Seton Hall after two yeah. years because I hung out with Rick Sirota and the baseball players too much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So in this it, case, the apple did fall far from the tree, which yeah, we're glad yeah, about. Yeah, thank we're very God. glad the apple rolled thank down the hill, went down the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. good. All right, so Boa then, by virtue of that last exhibit, uh, thank you, Chad, for absolutely torpedoing my entire weekend. Then Boa <laughs> doesn't make it because in that time frame, you've got somebody else in Boa's time frame, which would be who, uh, Chad, you're looking at the list. I can't wait to hear who displaces Boa? Just look at the Me. the years there. We know that Boa played nineteen seventies when he came eighty five. Yeah. So yeah, I can 19... tell you, it, it, it's Mark Belanger and, and Ozzy Smith. Yeah, Mark Belanger and then Ozzy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and again, gonna... you, almost everybody thinks Mark Belanger's one of the good. I saw. I'm old enough to remember seeing Mark Belanger. Mark Belanger was outstanding. One of the things that's great about Mark Belanger was he was very tall. People forget he was a very long legged shortstop, like Cal Ripken. 
And that makes a big difference in range. And he had a, a really strong arm, and he was really good at turning the double play. If you look at the numbers of the Baltimore Orioles defense from like 1970, 1968 to 1980, um, some of the greatest, you'd argue like 1973, 74, I can't remember, so off the top of my head, probably the greatest defensive team ever. And Belanger was at the center of that, along with Bobby Gritch, who's, you know, a guy that could probably, should probably be in the Hall of Fame as a second baseman. So, that's why um, you don't see Larry Boa. And I, but I would argue, if you want to have some controversy here, I think Dave Concepcion was a better defender than Larry Boa, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, let's hold it 10 minutes for that one. We're going to circle back there, and, you're, <laughs> and, you're, and you're going to flame out on that one because I'm not going to be held to this two-year time frame. But on Belanger, uh, full transparency, 58% guy, just like Ozzy. Uh, it's yep. unbelievable when you look at some of these numbers. You knew they were great short stops, but when you do the deep dive in the stats, and you look at Louis Aparicio's amazing 22,000 innings played, so he's like Ozzy with yeah. thir- 13,000 chances. So he grades as high as Ozzy, but the 366 career errors hurts a little bit, a yeah. 972 fielding percentage. Obviously, mm-hmm. Ozzy's higher than that. Ozzy shows up in the range department. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing, he's right there with it yeah. as well as Belanger's too. I mean, I, there's nothing I can say other than yes or no. Does Boa get some credit, maybe a lot of credit for putting up 20,000 innings at shortstop versus Belanger's 15,000. That's 5,000, 6,000 more innings played through age and right. Some depreciation from yeah. the times a bitch. Does does the does the needle move towards Boa because he played five six thousand more innings than Belanger? Yes or no? Well, no. I I think that if you no? no just head to head. If you were talking about head to head, who's the better defender? Not talking about chronological list or anything like that. Right. I just uh, I believe Belanger is an elite all time. I think uh, if you talk to most historians, and I'm not saying we have to follow everything most historians say. You've got Ozzy, you've got uh, uh, Belanger. You've got yeah. you know, a lot of people talk about Marty Marion, who played for the Cardinals yeah. in yep. the 40s. So if we're just yeah. talking about in their time, Rabbit Moranville is also given credit, even though I don't think he was that great of a shortstop defensively. But I just think that um, you don't have Boa in that discussion. I think as far as longevity, that's what makes Boa um, a great player uh, for playing as long as he did. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I, I don't know which podcast I'm on, but, like, the Phillies weren't built around Larry Boa. All right. He was right. a guy who right. was there in a spot and he had some good years and, but he wasn't known for his bad. He had his, you know, his skills, but I, I would argue, and you guys could tell me you watched him play more than I did. Um, yeah. his skills, as far as his, his overall number one skills, it was, it was speed and he was yep. the ability to make contact and he was a good bunter for a while. Yep. But yep. otherwise I don't think people were, a lot of people were talking about him as being an elite defender. Oh, Bella elite defender. Elite, oh, no, elite. Were they talking about him as elite though when he was playing? Absolutely, positively okay. elite. Yeah, okay. he, he, and you know what he was? He was before his before his timing shift wise. Now they have all the analytics okay. where to play. Otley yeah. and Boa were two of our uh, defensive guys that were moving on their own well before they started to tell you where you had to be. You had to look at your yeah. wristband and stuff like that. So right. Boa comes on our podcast. That's not the reason I defend him because he comes on our podcast. But we show Boa his own numbers, and he says to us, 
hey, man, that's crazy because I didn't know that about myself. Yeah. So, well, but, baseball IQ is off the chart, right? Like, uh, he's one uh, of those guys that belongs on the, you know, if yeah, we were going to make a list of, like, the 50 best baseball IQs, yeah, he's, but, there's a reason why he's been in the game so long. But if we're talking offense, how many hits did Blander have in his career, bud? 1,300. And how many did Bella have? 2,000 what? 2,200. 2,200 versus what, bud? 1,300. Who, who was that? Belanger? Belanger, yeah. And Bella had 1,000 yeah. more hits? Yeah, more hits, yeah. And we're going to... Huh. Now, Coach Al, what do you th- chime in on that, bud? Come on. Well, I, I'm a Boa fan, and good morning, by the way. And, and I was Hi. there. My first baseball game I went to was 1945, so I can go back. But if you just gave me a question, you and Chuck talked a few minutes ago, I might have said this gal right there with Ozzie Smith. And yeah. this gal played like 30 games less than Cal Ripken. So he, he certainly, to me, was as smooth a shortstop that I ever saw. Yeah, he's very good. There's no question about it. Yep. Yeah. From yeah. from most offensive metrics, Belanger was, you know, pretty pretty bad offensively. But defensively, he absolutely, I think, belongs there. But offensively, the guy hit 228 his whole yeah. life. He never but, but, really but, bounced so, up. So Belanger hits a batting average too. But to push back at that, so oh, you guys damn, know, boy. we all know about OPS, Literally. right? Wait a second, we all know about OPS, right? Not Larry yeah. Boa's career OPS was OPS plus was 71. And what shortstops back then were being viewed for OPS back okay, then, but not I'm just, today. But I'm just telling yeah, you, Belanger's was 68. Belanger's was yeah. 68, so they're about the same. 68 and 71, they're both but pretty bad offensive players. Dan, he's given up 1,000 career hits to Boa. Come on, be fair. What's yeah. his batting average, bud? What did you say it was? Who's? Belanger. Was Stick with me, bud. 228. 228. Bowell wasn't known for his batting yeah. average, but I still believe it was 260. Yeah, it was 260. 260. Uh, now, obviously, he did hit home runs, but how about doubles? Boa versus Blanger. you have that information right in front of you, Handy? Blanger had the same on-base percentage. They had the exact yeah. same on-base percentage. So the batting average really matters a little, I guess, a very little, but right. their on-base I, percentage was the same. So I'm just saying 68 and 71 isn't like you're going, oh, my gosh, there's no, a huge difference between no, these guys. No, not. But I, I yeah. would simply very respectfully, we want you back. We, we love you. We want you back. And this is what makes it fun. The more we push back and you push back, that's yeah. what people want to listen to. They're, all they say to us is, argue more. You guys are too nice. Um, <laughs> but if Belanger has 1,000 less hits and ends up with a 220 career batting average and Bo is 250, 260. Yeah. Uh, according, to baseball, played, according to baseball uh, reference, Larry Boa has 19 defensive war. Mark Belanger has 39.5. Uh, that's you, the end of it right there. 20 oh, defensive more. Oh. Defensively. I, I don't 39.5 really, to 19. That's like seeing the beautiful woman at the end of the dance floor. <laughs> and then you look down and you see some lady you're like, oh, I don't know. I got to have a few drinks before I go over and have a dance with her. I, like, that's I, a big difference. I didn't know he was only a 220 hitter. Man, dude, I thought it was higher than that. Well, you I know? think what I think what we're saying is it all boils down to OPS plus, and they're about the same. And then, yeah. Uh, Can you say what they are? But, yeah, we, but, yeah, but war is not even close. Mark yeah, Belanger's career we're, war is 41. Yeah, we're, we're Larry Bowles is 22. So, yeah, 22. Offensively, offensively, you can say they're similar players from the OPS perspective, and defensively, look at the D-war. Belanger is way higher. Way higher. And career war overall, then, 41 to 22. Not even really close to defend those. But, I, I'd have to look at my list of 100 top shortstops, but I don't oh, want to get you guys uh, upset, I, but... 
I damn well, I know you came prepared. I told you what I was going to do with Boa. So you had, you had three days to look it up. I know you came prepared. Belanger's 40th on my list all time at shortstop. Well, let's see. If, if you want to give credit for posting up, and I'm going to push back all day long for the guys that show up. There, Hey, listen, one guy like Belanger may have a great excuse for the reason he only had 15,000 innings played at shortstop and Boa, Boa had 19,000. We have a bona fide excuse, but the bottom line is Ozzie Smith also posted up. If Ozzie Smith that had 10,000 in innings played with some of the same numbers, we're not talking about Ozzie Smith today, but he's got 22,000 innings at short. He's got 19,000. So same thing for Cal Ripken. So Boa gets credit for the 20,000 innings played compared to Bland. He's 5,000 more innings played is a lot. And he has to get credit for that. Uh, I, also, by the way, so, but if you were to say, uh, 2,200 innings played, which is fair because a lot of guys play a lot more than that. But if you just set the bar at 2,200, then looked at the shortstops and ranked Boa, where would he be then? Yeah, he's going to be up higher, much higher. I don't have it in front Top of me, five. but he's going to be. Yeah, he's gonna, he, yeah, he is. Five, but I mean, that, yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you allow longevity in, Boa's a top five shortstop. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I just can't agree with what that the, the premise of what you're saying. I see where you're going, but I don't agree with that. No, defensively, defensively. I, I, I'm sorry if I did not say defensively. I, uh, in my in my opinion, I wouldn't. If you're just talking about longevity, if you're just only talking about longevity, yeah. But I I think that you know you just keep making five thousand innings sound like a ton. I mean, it is more. There's no doubt. But you know, if you play 140 to 150 games, that's about about four years. Yeah, that's three, a lot. The three and a half. To, well, but, but but let me just push back at you. There are guys who play regularly in the major leagues who maybe they shouldn't be playing at three and at three or four years. Maybe they're just an average player. So that yeah. there is value in being average. But uh, you know, for my list, I'm looking at like who the greatest were, and so. Not, well, yeah. okay. To simplify my point, so we can move on because you're a plethora of knowledge here. So to simplify my point. If I were looking at Belanger, I'm just, I'm just going to approach this from a defensive perspective. If I'm mm-hmm. looking at Belanger and Aparicio, so I'll take Boa out here. It'd be 100% objective, okay? Yeah. And I'm looking at 15,000 innings played, Belanger, versus 22,400 Aparicio, 9,000 uh, 9, chances, the former. Yeah. Aparicio, 13. And Aparicio grades out to 59% chance to innings played and then I go spread the chances and I see that he got the 800 chances three times and 700 chances nine times this guy's a chance hog that's 15 and he puts up a 972 fielding percentage versus Belanger's 977 I'm taking Aparicio all day long that I did too. Thesis. I have Aparicio listed as the best defensive shortstop for about a ten-year period. It's just they didn't and, play together in Belanger. Okay. Yeah. And, yep. So. Yep. Okay. And Boa compares to Aparicio. Thank you. I rest you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love you. I love. Right. Hey, this is more fun than anything else I do, Dad. This I know. We were able to sit here and talk I, about old shortstops. This is a lot of fun. Well, wait till we get to Bobby Abreu. That's where you're really crushing because I'm a oh, big Bobby yeah. Abreu guy. How do you okay. feel about it? I, I should even ask. How do you feel about Abreu? Underrated. Um, oh. I, 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 in my new book, it's going to be coming out. I'll let you guys know if I ever mind. Again, I can tell you when it's coming out, but I have an entire section on right fielders in which I compare. It just so happened my formula for ranking right fielders had Vlad Guerrero and Bobby Abreu back-to-back. 
And wow. after I started to dive into the numbers, I know most people would be surprised by that. After I started to dive into the numbers, I said, oh, I see why. It's because Bobby, Bob, uh, Brad has a pretty big um, uh, advantage in total bases between the two of them. If you talk about just per season, total bases. But Vagrero makes up a lot of that on what? Getting on base. You know, getting on and also plus bases from base running, even though Vlad Guerrero was a good base runner. So it still comes out that Vlad's just barely ahead. But my point in the, in, in the comment I make on the players is if Vlad Guerrero makes it in basically immediately to the Hall of Fame, why is Bobby Abreu not getting more uh, love? So I think he, he somewhat falls in that Dwight Evans area. They're not the same type of player, don't get me wrong. But the quality of his play, right? He was so good and understated. He was over... He was uh, overshadowed by others. And the other thing working against Bobby Braille, I write, is Bobby Braille played for like seven teams in yep, the last seven yep. or eight years. And that always hurts a guy when you bounce around. It hurt Robbie Alomar a little bit. Like when you bounce around the teams, your narrative gets spread out. It hurt Fred McGriff. So um, that doesn't help you when you don't have the identification with one team. Absolutely it's, no it's, World Series. Go, bud. It's never a problem if someone's being compared to Vlad Guerrero. Right. <laughs> That's for right. sure. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that just proves how underrated you know the guy is. And just yeah. so everyone's listening, uh, they can follow along a bit. If you go to baseballegg.com where where Dan's talking about this list, hundred hundred greatest right fielders of all time, Vlad is number thirteenth, and then Bobby right behind him at number fourteenth there. So just from all of history, yeah. look, talking about a guy underrated ranking in the, yeah. anywhere in the top twenty yeah. is uh, is pretty oh, yeah. pretty impressive because a lot of people oh. wouldn't a lot of people would probably wouldn't have a Brayu no. in the top fifty nope. if not the top hundred because they don't even yep. bring his name up a lot. I, I am going right to you out in a second. I am roll dexing Dan some dear friends that I love <laughs> and I have dinner with that are anti Brayu. And I'm sitting yeah. here with the biggest shit-eating grin I've ever had in my entire yeah. life because I've put up with this crap for since he retired. And I was saying when he was still playing, I think at that time with the Yankees, the guy's surefire Hall of Fame. Exactly. Like, you got to be crazy. I said, and you know, guys, I, I'll point this out. I mean, this is, I'm not completely a numbers guy. I know it sounds like maybe, you no, know, because I, I wanted to use same that as a here. basis. Yeah, same but here, if you look same at, here. So on that list you just mentioned, you have the 100 greatest right fielders. If you look at long peak, which just means there's seven best seasons. It's war seven. Right. It, this yep. is interesting. I think a lot of people would be surprised by this. Vlad Guerrero, 42. Bobby yep. Braille, 41.6. 41. Yeah, I got that and one. And then if you yep. look at prime, which is what I define prime as, your five best consecutive seasons. Say, yep. Vlad Guerrero, 29.7. Bobby Braille, 29.7. So uh, there's just – they are very close from those and, numbers. There's no doubt. And, and without knowing, because I'll put my hand up and swear here in front of the committee, I did not uh, research uh, Guerrero before the show, but I'm going to tell Chad to bring him up. And I, well, Dan already knows, but I'm going to say that what Abreu did with eight times or runs a hundred, eight times RBIs a hundred, and eight times walking a hundred, Guerrero did not do. And I don't, I don't think I'm too far out in the limb in saying that because not too many players did it. And while Chad looks that up, if you take the uh, speed power numbers of bonds and you have to set the equation, you know, artfully. And then you take Henderson and put him in there. Boy, can you make an argument for Ricky Henderson? A lot of people. Yeah. 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 And then you, the, oh, the third guy that matches those lofty speed power on base numbers yeah. is a Brehu. And that's yeah. really funky when you do it that way. Cause you yeah. start, start off with 400 stolen bases then you go to 400 on base percentage. Then you go to the power numbers, and all of a sudden it's Bonds, Henderson, and Brehu. 
And if yeah. that's not a compelling argument for yeah. the Hall of Fame. Well, you think about it like, so what's one of the main things that a batter is supposed to do? Get on base. Get on base right? 4,000 times. So here's, here's something that I, you guys might not be aware of. I wasn't until I researched my book. Only 11 players in the history of baseball have had eight seasons in which they reached base 275 times. I did not know that. Let me give you the name. Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, Lou Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, Ted Williams, Stan Musial, Charlie Character, (laughs) Pete Rose, Wade Boggs, Barry Bonds, and Bobby Abreu. How about that? You son of a... I mean, I, 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 I got the dinner tab, bud, when we finally beat for dinner. I got the dinner tab on that one. That is, <laughs> it that, seems like what we disagree on, Bo, we make up for on a break. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no for, doubt about it. My, my, son, my son forever the peacemaker. That's Chad yeah, with yeah, tea. Yeah, you can have part of my cheesesteak. Right? We decided, right? Everything's okay. All right, you know, I think a lot of things about Bobby Abreu, it looked like it came to him so easy, and people said yeah. he's not hustling as much as he he did. He was so athletic yeah. at this and that, and one little rap in Philly that he was pretty smart and didn't like running into the wall. And they said he wasn't a Philly, a, a, you know that type of thing. But ability off the charts. And he traded the wall for the at bat for the games. So he post up one sixty eight straight years on average one sixty two, one sixty two, one sixty one, one fifty nine, one sixty. The only way you get to one hundred sixty games per year is to not run into walls. Yeah. He still yeah. he still won a gold glove. He was still, I found this out last night, actually searching for Boa, how many times he was in the top 10 D-War, which is a lot. I saw Abreu was in there, D-War. Chad, much to yeah. my surprise, Boa, uh, Abreu was in the top 10 D-War a year or maybe two, he at is, least yeah. a year. Uh, and he led the league in assists one year. So, you know, that the whole defense thing is, is a bunch of malarkey. Uh, his defensive numbers aren't great, not saying that, but overall as a baseball player, his Philly, just read his Philly stuff. Wait to hear this, Dan. Uh, I think I can tell you one thing you don't know, but it's pretty hard to stump you, buddy. Uh, what are Abreu's Philly slash line? Check this out. Hit 303 with a 416 on base, a 513 slug for a 928 OPS. Yeah. Dan, yep. how about that? Which, Not many people with a 300, 400, 500. And yeah. I would just tell people on my list of 100 right, right fielders, he's ahead of Harry Heilman, who hit over 400 a couple times, and he's ahead of Dave Winfield. A lot of people are surprised by that. Yeah. So that's actually the way the numbers came out. I didn't that's, go into it thinking, oh, I love Bobby Abreu. It just, you, you really have to, to bow down to, the, to what he did. He did some great stuff. And I have a, I, I have a great memory of him because I was covering the All Star game in 2005 in Detroit, and that's the year he, he won the home run derby. And I was sitting out in right field in the auxiliary press box when he hit so many home runs in one section, he knocked an auxiliary press box over. And I remember still seeing one of my colleagues laptop go flying and then we were all laughing. It was a great time. And then, <laughs> and, and then you stick him in the home run contest and he breaks a record at that time in the home run contest, yep, uh, which yep. cost him the next hundred at bats. He was really messed up after that. Like a lot of players are, I don't think that's good for mm-hmm. a swing, but yeah, that's uh so that said, do you think Abreu will will make uh, the haul down the road, or do you think that should? Yeah, start? probably, probably not. Unfortunately, yep. I, I'm you yep. know we we still haven't seen Dwight Evans get in. We still haven't seen Dick Allen get in. Dick Allen, in my mind, is the biggest, most egregious, in my opinion. Amen. I don't think so because because the thing hurting Bobby is wow. he doesn't have any of the eye popping numbers of like oh you know three fifty eight three thousand yep. hits and yep. all that yeah and also he doesn't have that narrative like I said he doesn't have. Because he played for, you know, even though he had years in Philly, they didn't go to the World Series and he was there. He was, so he's, he's got that weird kind of narrative. So it's unfortunate. He's just going to be one of those guys who's like, 
you know, better than Dave Winfield, better than Sam Crawford, better right. than Dave Parker, right. but and but not as not as famous as those guys. Yeah. So 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 Dan, when you because when you look at the numbers, obviously he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but you talk about the perception, I guess, and you know, perception mm-hmm. is reality. How, how it, do you, do you see the perception changing down the road? Are there are there people who are these guys voting for the Hall of Fame players right now that? don't look at a war or they just look at the story of a player and they don't dive into all the numbers because if they are diving into the numbers, it's hard to not have him in there. So what, what do you, as you know, the hall of fame voting process and the people behind this committees, what's, what's, what do you see there? I do think that there's some progress happening. Um, at the time I was there, it was amazing. In fact, a couple of years I was asked to prepare the material. There's a packet that's given to the people that are in the, um, Veter- it was called the Veterans Committee okay. then. Yeah. And I was asked to help prepare, like just, you know, cop- write the copy and make sure they understood oh, who Lucky O'Doul was. And yeah, it was kind of fun. So, but as I was there, I saw it evolve. Like it got more advanced as, you know, uh, analytics got more advanced. Um, you know, guys like George Brett, if they were on the Veterans Committee, they have no idea and they have right. really no interest in right. knowing like <laughs> somebody's war. Right. So they would be sitting there talking about, you know what, I played against so and so and I thought he was whatever. I think it's advancing a bit. Um, I think what's what's um, working against some guys is um, is that there's a pushback now on some of this analytic stuff. You know, you saw that with the election of Jack Morris and things like that. And I, I want to go on record saying I'm okay with a Hall of Fame that elects a guy because he has some narrative about it. You know, like he's a great. You know, like I think Chase Utley should definitely be elected. He's one of the top 15 second basemen of all time. He doesn't have some of the eye popping numbers that some second basemen have. But he's, you know, uh, players who have an impact on several pennant races and who have a, a massive career longevity and, and accomplishments, they deserve to be in. Um, but there's been a pushback against some of the analytics. So um, some of the players, some of the people on the committees are looking more at, but we're also, it's discouraging to see things like Harold Baines getting elected. Amen. No offense to Harold mm-hmm. Baines, but it's discouraging to see the cronyism that you still see exist. Well, thank you. That's a very good answer. And I guess the, my, my follow-up to that was a question I had earlier. When A lot of people, they dismiss things like, you know, war, you know, DRS, things like that. How do you, I guess, when you come across those situations, combat that to say, without explaining the complexities of war, look, this yeah. is a pretty good number. Look at the people who are all-time war leaders. You're going to see the Babe Bruce. You know, the, you're going to see all yep. those names up there. So how, how do you combat that that common pushback you hear from anyone trying to dismiss a advanced statistic, let's call it that? Yeah, you, you say it really well that I agree with that, that first part, which is that um, generally speaking, if you look at the war leaders, you, you're going to see the guys you expect. You know, Willie Mays is there. Oh, yeah, we all pretty much know Willie Mays is the greatest center fielder. He's probably, he could arguably be the greatest player. That's one thing you do. You just say, look, if you look at war, like it sort of makes sense. Like, yeah, there's a few people that pop out, like a Bobby Abreu or something like that. You're like, wow, I didn't know they were that good. I didn't know that Rocky Calavito was as good as he is, you know? Like, but generally speaking, you see the good player. And I think the second thing you do is you start to just say, look, you know, things are being counted. They've always been counted in baseball. The box score is like historical. It goes back to the 19th century. So we've always counted things. So it's not anathema to baseball it's not you know sacrosanct that we don't talk count things we've always counted things in baseball so what's wrong with updating the algorithm or talking about a formula like war you don't need to understand all of it but you just need to know that hey you know what it does a pretty good job and i will say that i'm a person who's i am very um i'm very um leery of defensive analytics 
So having said all the argument we had earlier, like I still believe in the eye test a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in Detroit and people are just loving Javi Baez, but I watch Javi Baez and Javi Baez is way overrated defensively, but sometimes his numbers look like he's really good. Spencer Torkelson digs out, you know, two or three bad throws every single game to make sure that Javi Baez doesn't get another error. And then the, the official scores don't give him the errors he should get. So I'm leery of the defensive metrics sometimes myself too. So, so Dan being, and you just made a great point, uh, but I think I'm going to use it against you. It wasn't sneaking up on you. I, I was just enjoying it, Donna. No, but oh, you did. No, yeah, no, you sparked me, and I had to go scrambling back, and I found something. So I, I understand that Correa, if I'm saying his name right, Correa, Correa, Carlos. Carlos, Carlos Correa. Correa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm brutal with last names, as everybody knows. Uh, he's your guy for 2022 because of the highest defensive war, which you just said isn't always supreme. The eye test yeah. is better. So whether you saw him or not, you darn well know that in 22, this cat has absolutely zero range with an RF9 of 3.75, way below league average, but he only has eight errors. But he has has absolutely no plays against innings played. He is way below that 50% number that we talked about. In fact, he has in 22... Uh, 1113 innings played and only 472 chances. This is clearly not your best defensive shortstop of 2022, but you put him there because his war was number one. Defend that. You just said well, the eye test matters. It's because the heavyweight, you know, championship of defensive shortstop, that list, it's just a fun list to pick who I think is the current, is about who's considered who is the best defensive shortstop, not totally a number. I will say this. It's probably time to move Carlos Correa off of that. Oh, You're right. Oh, he play, certainly play take, he, 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 nah, well, Wait, We have a button here. I don't want to yeah. disconnect you. Yeah. But, but it's not, but, but, but the list is not designed to be like, Oh, let's go with a whim of like, this guy had six months that were great and he should be the defensive. Shortstop. It's about uh, a, a, a career, um, broad section of work that they've done. And I, I think Correa, Correa has clearly the strongest arm. I agree with you. He's not, um, his range has, he, he, he looks to me, I, I, I bring back to Baez. I've watched Baez for two years now in Detroit. It's clear to me that because he, he was upset because he committed so many errors last year, this year he decided he wasn't going to go for plays that he used to go for. Right. He, but, you can see it. He's like being safe. And I think Korea is being a little safe too uh, now. So, in short, in so is, and this is just my personal methodology it does not make it right or better or bigger none of that but what i do is i and i get fascinated by this this is where i really get tremendous energy my wife is like are you going to stop doing that i'm like oh my god no i just found an anomaly i gotta go find out what's wrong so when i see the dark bold print meaning league leading i then yeah. go try to prove that thesis i gotta go look at the other the you know, body of numbers right to see and i saw his league leading so then I scramble right to his RF9, and that's nothing more than the chances per nine innings, and it gives that to you. And then I compared that to the league average last year, way below it. Then I go look at the chances, and I see these way below that. And but he only had eight errors, and the one of the one of the biggest drivers to dewar is low errors. They think that's absolutely synchronous. That's like it but yeah. it really does not tell the story 
of a complete yeah, shortstop, right? A lot of shortstops yeah, cheated yep. their career by not trying to make the extreme play, the range play, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So we don't want to penalize, penalize the guys like Smith and Ripken and Bauer that got to the extreme play but had some errors as a consequence of getting there. Um, yeah. So, so you may you may consider taking uh, Curry down, and when you go back to your oldest, putting Bella in. Is that what you said? You're going to put Bella in? There's a whole number <laughs> of things that I think I agree with, too, and that's like, um, I, you know, we've all watched enough baseball to see that, like, errors are one of those things that's, you know, it's not like triples, right? A guy right. hits a triple, he hit the freaking triple. We saw him hit the triple, Bobby Braille hit it in the gap, and he went to third, he got a triple. An error, I've seen plays where I'm like, that's not an error, or that is an error. And they think nowadays more it's like they don't call errors. Oh, I think man. the official scorer is worried, and the front office is worried, and the players put pressure because they're trying to win a contract. And so it's it's brutal. Defensive, yeah. yeah, that kind of stat on that is like – and the other thing that I'll say about this about defensive stats, and you know more about this D-War than I do. You really do. Is that I, um, I, I am uh, suspicious of – other factors. Mm-hmm. I mean, coach, tell okay. me, agree yeah. with me here, coach. Like there's other factors. Like how many guys on your staff are strikeout pitchers that right. impacts how many ground balls the guy gets, how many pitchers get weak contact, which can make it harder for yeah. a shortstop to make a play uh, on weak contact. Yeah. What about field, all the surfaces? Field what about, conditions. Yeah, there's all kinds field of things. Yeah. Powell goes to Chicago and has his highest uh, yep. errors because he get used to the yep. surface, which is rock hard to like late yeah. in Chicago. Boa right? had Mike Schmidt. Boa had Mike Schmidt. Dave Concepcion exactly. had Pete Rose. How did that impact things? Pete Rose was terrible defender, one of the worst maybe ever in any position that he played. But how did that affect Concepcion? Did he try for plays? Probably applied for plays. He should not have and got errors he shouldn't have gotten that Boa wouldn't have gotten because Boa had Schmidt next to him. So, yeah. But he shouldn't be penalized because no. of that. And hey, yeah. I said to Boa one time, you know, how did you have 550 assists that year? That's a lot of assists for a shortstop. When you had Schmidt to your right, who took a good percentage of your balls, you know, and Bo is so humble. He just yeah. says, yeah, I didn't know that. You're telling me for the first yeah. time. Bowa never researched his own stats, and he's very modest about yeah. his accomplishments, you know. But you're right. Yeah. Bowa's numbers illuminate even more so when you understand that a Hall of Fame third baseman was playing to his right. Exactly. Uh, at, you know, some people said, well, you know, Jeter had the same thing with A-Rod. No, not really. There wasn't as many years as you think, but when you do this research and you, yeah. sail, you sail the seas of data, this is what you find out. But Chuck, what about another thing? What yeah. what if one year the Phillies had, you know, a number three and a number five starter who that year started to work on a split finger yeah, pitch? Jumbo. And they had a really good year in which they had, you know, just happened to have eight extra starts that were really good with a pitch that got the ball into the ground. That's not that Boa shouldn't get credit. Well, he should get credit because he makes the plays. plays. But what gets me is like you can see some stats sometimes. Like I remember in the eighties, Bill James had his ballpark factors, and one year Tiger Stadium was a home run ballpark, and the next year was a pitcher's ballpark. Right, right. It, it didn't make any sense. I said that has to do with the players. Yeah, and the games that happened. There are still going to be a bunch of anomalies. The good thing is yep. the data people have said once we give you RF nine for the year. We'll give you RF9 for the game, extra innings, and we'll also give you RF9 for the league. So they do put league in, something's beeping, they do put the league in alongside so you can benchmark it against his peer groups as to what, what they did. And over time... Those anomalies have a tendency to work themselves out and become flatline. Uh, but no, the ballpark, Colorado with the park and the weather. Uh, yeah. What about this one? Here's a good anomaly. We have not released the research yet. It's up in the back office. But the Boston <laughs> Red Sox 
will lead baseball in doubles almost every year, even when they're off. Now, our offense is good this year. It's good a lot of years. But when it wasn't good, when it was 14th in baseball, they lead the league in doubles because of the monster. So they open up. They turn the key yeah. every April 1st, and somebody says to them, well, I don't know what you're going to do good this year, GM, but you are going to lead the league in doubles, yeah. which are more prevalent than home runs. How about yeah. that for an advantage? Yeah, well, it's not just the Green Monster either. I don't know if you've ever been to Fenway Park, but look at the look at the outfield fence in right field, the way that it angles yeah, out angles quickly. Out. So you Pesky get a lot of doubles tolling, in the right yeah. hand. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why most of the batting champions um, that have played in, for the Boston Red Sox, you can look this up, almost most of the batting champions have been left-handed. Yeah. So the Green Monster helps them, but yeah. they hit it the other way. It, but it helps the, the pesky pole and the short yeah, right field and it, all man. that. And, and to yeah. my former point about proving that thesis, you do this, you say, okay, if it's that, if it if it impacts that much, what do you do? Let's take players that benefit it from the the left field wall, and let's see what yeah. happens when they leave. Go look at Betts' numbers after the Red Sox at the Dodgers the first two years. Look at his OPS. Look at his bat. Look at everything, and there is yeah. a precipitous drop off with Betts not playing in Fenway. Then you take a look at the shortstop that's now with. San Diego, help me out, Coach Al. That was with Red Sox last year. Uh, who'd they say? Who are the Bogarts. Top? Bogarts, okay? And same thing. So when players leave Fenway Park, they're not going to put up better numbers the next year. I don't care where they go, who they're playing for, they're not going to be on the incline yeah. after leaving Fenway Park. Yeah, look at Nomar garcia Parra. We yeah. talked about shortstop. Well, Let's go a- back to a guy who who looked like he was for sure going to the Hall of Fame. I have him, I think, ranked in the top 20 still or 25 of shortstops, which is nothing to be ashamed of. But uh, his trajectory sure changed when he started to get a little bit irritated with the Red Sox and wanted to negotiate in the middle of a season. And it sure changed the you know how everybody thinks about Nomar. Yeah, I will say this, that unfortunately the clock is working against us. I just want to end by a couple things. When we did this research, and everybody kind of knows this, that Jeter was not a great defensive shortstop, what I, what I was just astounded to see the numbers, how bad. So when all these other guys are 59%, 58%, 55%, blah, 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 how about Jeter? He has a 46% ratio of innings wow. played to chances. That's so wow. low, it's yeah, below pitiful. Yeah. Then you put in that his RF9 was four range factor per nine innings when the league was four seven. And then you take his minus 186 R top. We won't get into R top right now because fans are, oh, R top, stop with that. It's like DRS, bud, right? R top. And he's one minus 186. He's, okay. He makes these spectacular plays. We know the flip. We know we dove into the stands and whatnot. But day in and day out. Jeter was absolutely well below average defensive shortstop. Amazing. Yeah, here's here's the way I respond to that is like so I agree with all of that and it makes me scratch my head, right? But I did never I never did think he was a great shortstop when I watched him in my eyes. I wrote an article about this for baseball leg. So the Yankees had a terrible catcher or a Posada. His, right. you know, and you just outlined how bad Jeter was. Chuck Knobloch was not a good second baseman when he was in New York. He was at least below average. And the center fielder, Bernie Williams, his numbers are some of the worst for a center fielder, yet they won the pennant every single year. So my question was like, maybe this defense stuff matters, but it doesn't matter as much as we think. Well, I'll say this. They, uh, they, had, they definitely had an elite lineup. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah they, they did. did. Very, I, think, yep. I think their lineup was a little more, I guess that's why it's elite, better than most. So I think they 
compensated more yes. for their yeah. lack of lack of defense having some of those Good guys point. in there. Yeah, if you look at the team OPS for the years we're talking about, the team OPS. Could be mm-hmm. eight, yeah, now I don't know. If, I don't know if A. Rod was in that lineup or not based some on that years. timeline, but yeah. Yeah, they definitely had they definitely had some power guys. Well, let's, but well, let's also talk about the fact that the Yankees haven't won a World Series now in what twenty years is it or two thousand nine? I'm sorry, it's not twenty. We can all agree yeah. that's a good thing, right? Can we 20. all agree yeah. that? Yeah, and, and yeah. how many okay. one how many one run games with Rivera too? Yeah, just locked them locked them down. Yeah, well, yeah. to your point, Dan, about defense, this is a compelling stat to end on. The let me get it right now. The team that leads uh, baseball. Uh, in was it fielding percentage or DRS? Come on, check it. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty-two. Um, the team that leads the league in defense, okay, plays for ten consecutive years. That's a lot. I'll buy that, Your Honor. That's that's a fact. Six twenty baseball winning percentage. Yeah, that's nice. That, it's nice to get six twenty baseball. Yeah, yeah that's, that's your importance of defense right there. Yeah. And you may say, "Well, some of those teams have great pitching." They may. And they may have great yep. hitting OPS. They may. Yeah. But what All we do now. What we should yeah. know is that Earl Weaver was a genius, right? That that was Earl Weaver kept saying was give me three run homers and defense and pitching. And yeah. Yep, and, yeah. yeah. Well, we're yeah, hanging right. on in Philly here with neither one of them. Yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky to get one run homers, right? Yeah. You're just looking for that. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we witnessed yesterday what many people are calling today on Sports Talk Radio the ugliest. Chad will bring it up. The ugliest half inning in baseball oh. history. It's possible. I be, I think I'm going to give the bottom line. Chad will give the real stats. I believe we sent 10 batters to the plate with one hit. Uh, and you're talking walks. You're talking two or three hit bat. It was just absolutely pitiful, the, the Mets play. To think that that guy, Cohen, has Paid three hundred and fifty. He's got to be sick. You got a right fielder who used to be good defensively, Marte. He hits the fence and grabs his head and spins around like he's in the Wizard of Oz. The ball rolled around. <laughs> he, it did hit the fence that hard. He he, he should have caught the ball, but he didn't catch the ball. And he rolls around like Eddie M. Help me! It's a twister, and the ball's rolled around. Of course, there's no center fielder because the Mets don't have the culture or type of team to want to come over from center field. They all yeah. play individual baseball. Their leader stinks, Lindor. What a bust! Get that stamp out. Boom! You heard it. Total yeah. bust. And then you got certain guys in there that'll tear your head off like uh, Brandon Nemo, man. That, he'll fist fight you. He he wants to win, and so does the second baseman, uh, McNeil. McNeil. Yeah, those, those two guys will kill you. But unfortunately, their culture doesn't blend with too many other players. It's just the land of broken part. But in fairness to them, once they yeah, lost I love being on a Phillies closing. podcast where we can talk ill of the Mets. I yeah, love it. I yeah, love it. I yeah, lived yeah. in New York for several years. Did and, you? Oh, wow. It's a whole yeah. other podcast. You lived in New York, man. That's great stuff right there. Yeah. I want to tell you what Buck Showalter said after the game. They said with Brigham, who's been a pretty good relief pitcher, you know, when you lose Diaz yeah. for the year, the yeah, whole thing. But he hit two guys in a row to, to tie the game. And put, and we're hoping Schwarber's down one and two in yeah. the count. We yeah. are so glad he got hit in the knee. I mean, to, to force it a run. I mean, that's <laughs> terrible to say, but we were. And they asked him afterwards, why didn't he bring in David Robertson? He said, I was saving him for the night. How about that oh, answer? Don't How about even that get me started on Buck Showalter. That was the quote. 
Yeah, just like he was saving Zach Britton, right? Isn't that the guy, Zach Britton? Saving him in a tie game in the playoffs. It's one of the worst decisions in the history of baseball. I've written about it. Buck Showalter, I just have a hard time getting past his ego. And I'm saving my best pitcher in a playoff game, tie game, because I'm waiting to get the lead. What an idiot. And Buck was beat red with the reporters afterwards. Oh, you should see him. What do you expect oh. me to do? What do you expect me to do? Yeah, because uh, you can't challenge him. He's a guy right, who's like, right. he just ego. I know everything. You know right. nothing. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, well, he didn't know how to manage that game. And it was just hard to believe. And, of course, now Phillies are pouring water over. Act like you've been there before, guys. Come on, what have we done? <laughs> and you got the water brigade out, and that's Marsh and, and Stott. And they got yeah, the water by Stott's going to be. Uh, I don't know how much you watch the Phillies. Our, our legitimate excitement for the future is Stott. He is, looks like the real deal. And you can't. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But that's yep. it. That's what's sad. That, that's why people, oh, you're negative on your own team. Shameful. No, I'm not negative. The composition of the team, another podcast, not right now, isn't right. You got Schwarber left. You used to see in the air he had the other day on a ball hit right at him. It hit him five different places, you know, and the official score gave him. <laughs> Gave a hit. He gave a hit. And then Schwarber <laughs> went up to the official score and said, I'm going to knock you out if you don't change that to an hour. I don't want my pitcher in the clubhouse getting three things again. Uh, it's just disasters. Nobody can field. Uh, Turner's been a bust, although he'll be fine. Uh, JT's been great for four years. Fantastic. MVP level. But, you know, he's struggling now. Harper has no power until he gets adjusted from his injury. We really, really miss Hoskins, which our crew has been saying now for three years. Uh, but in September, if you're within the wild card, sniffing sniffing a wild card, you guys are going to be excited. I mean, it's possible. Because we got pitching. Yes, because yeah, in September, we got could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you got to do is get into the dance. All you got to do. You know, I was just thinking, if, if we ever do talk again, you know a great topic would be? We should talk about the Phillies' all-time team. Because the Phillies, as one of these 16 originals, like basically originals of the American League National League, the Phillies all-time team has a very modern flavor to it. So it can yeah. be fun for your listeners to listen to right, the Phillies well, all-time we, team. We can yeah. already sense the Rollins versus Boa shorts. Oh, short sub controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what about Dave Bancroft? He played back in the 20s. He was good, yeah. Dan, when you say if we ever talk again, it goes to my heart like the the cute girl at the bar that says, give me your number. I may or may not call. You're like, you're not going to call me? Well, I may. Yeah, so we're we're definitely going to talk to you again. This has been... That definitely happened to you a lot. I can tell that happened to you a lot. I'm sorry. This has been a blast. We really had a lot of fun today. Uh, Thank you a million times. By the way, if I didn't say it up front, congratulations on your enormous career success. Uh, not just with baseball, outside of baseball. We didn't talk much about that, but you've made a lot of contributions, uh, and uh, you've, you've got a very, very nice resume. So congratulations on all that. And you have the respect of Major League Baseball. That's really cool. That's kind of something we aspire maybe someday to get called upon for something lofty like that. But you've achieved that, man. That's, and that's what it's really worth, neat. you got respect from three of us, too. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Coach. Thank yeah, you. Thank you very welcome. much. No, you fired back. You, you did well. I mean, you're going to put Bo in there when you hang up. I know that, Benary. All right, listen. <laughs> <laughs> you have number, your... He's in the top five as far as perms. Is that kind of like his, his, his hairdo has got to be in the top five all time for short that's, stuff. That's the next list, Dan. Don't give it away. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's coming out next year. <laughs> all right, listen, buddy. We'll get rid of you. You have a great Monday. We're going to be dialing you up real soon, okay? Take care, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Take Thanks, care. Sarah. Bye. Bye. Off, goes, uh, off goes Dan Holmes, and he was everything plus. I that expected. was awesome.
That was a really, uh, really great interview. Well, if they could see you lie when he agreed on Bobby Abreu, I'm <laughs> glad you didn't fall off your chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was cool. Um, but I think he ha- also has a good sense of things, uh, balance-wise, you know. He, he, I was waiting for him to be very jaded or tilted one area, but, he, I mean, the, the biggest problem I had, uh, and it's really hard to fault the guy, I mean, Belanger, but, you know, when... I probably put more weight, and I think you do too, on guys that post it up long-term. And that's my argument with Dick Allen. I just think that Dick Allen averaging 118 games a year, and some of that may have been on us, and some of that may have been on him, who knows. But when you got other guys in that time frame putting up 155, 160, and he's putting up 118, I just yeah, he had some outstanding years with the MVP did. when he goes over to did. the American League did. and everything yeah. like that. It's yeah. just yeah. Uh, and he did 160 back to back games played as a rookie, rookie year, next year, and then look at his career after the two 160s and read them out loud, and wait, wait till you get really the good. 110, 118, 130, 88, 147. Never again does he ever get Bobby Abreu who posts up numbers 160s. That's yeah. it. His career's over two years. Yes, he put up phenomenal numbers. I just don't think he did it, you know, long enough and enough of it. But, you know, we uh, we we had a panel on that, bud, right? We had Boa, Mitch, yeah, we did. you, me, and right. what did we say on Allen? Did we, did we Hall of Fame him? I don't remember that. Yeah, we were doing it. him. Rolling. I think we said yes, he's in. Yeah, we were doing shilling. I think yeah, we went uh, through the whole thing. All right, so coach, I know it's quick, but it looks like we're wrap up time here. Yeah, uh, we had a point. You had your hand up. Good. Yeah, point. Uh, as far as the veterans committee and this and that, I read something recently where Pee Wee Reese was in as the Dodgers shortstop, and Rizzuto wasn't, and Yogi Berra went to bat for Pee Wee Reese. I mean, for for uh, Rizzuto, saying how can you have Reese in there and not Rizzuto, and then he got, got in there, you know, so. Yeah. And he was an MVP one year, Rizzuto, too. So he was the first guy I looked at because he's on he's on Dan's list, and I look at him at twenty two thousand. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, eighteen thousand innings played, and and ten thousand uh, chances, and I was like, wow, fifty eight percent. He's like Ozzy doesn't play as much, but then he had eight hundred chances three times. Eight hundred's lofty. Nobody gets eight hundred, except the guys we talked about. Then there's nine for Ripken and Ozzy, okay? He was 800 three times, 700 six times. This guy had range, unbelievable. But he commits 400 hours in his career, which knocks his fielding percentage down to nine. So what do you want to look at? But you know what? Fielding percentage, chances, D-War, Artot, DRS. I say you got to blend it all together and make your evaluation, which I think our list does. And another thing, like with Rizzuto's case, I think he was with them 12 years. They won the league championship Helps. nine times and yeah, like right. five or six World Series or seven World Series. So yeah. when you're part of a winning yeah. tradition, you know. But I'll tell you, I was shocked when we started to compare Bo and Blander offensively. I thought Blander was going to be above him. He's not. When, he's, when Chad said 220, and Bo had a thousand more career hits, I didn't seem right. I, did, I thought you had a number wrong, bud. I really did. But yeah, the numbers never lie, right? Big plus for Bob. Bud, closing comments. Grand, well, it was all, it was really awesome to have um, to have Dan on. Today. I think we covered some great content. So my rave would be on, you know, the guest that I think was really great to to go through that and hear that perspective. Um, it was it was an awesome show. I know we do this every week. I'm going to use my rave rant time uh, and amen to that, Chad. 
Uh, we had a lot of people last week, listeners, devoted listeners, say notifications didn't work. Um, I got like 40 of those notifications of notifications. Once again, can we just help Well, out? I don't know how to solve the you notification okay, problem. It just doesn't, it. It's just an Apple thing. It just it doesn't okay. work for me either. Okay. I would just say, you well, know, that's that yeah, then. people just have to know to check themselves and because right. I can't get the notifications to come up on my and, phone either. And to just tell you about Chad's qualifications from a tech standpoint, we're trying to do something over the weekend. Mary and I, I think it was watch the Phillies game on Apple. So Chad sends me 22 steps. And he goes, but you probably won't get through these, Mom and I. But we do. And the twenty, the twenty first step, he said us twenty. The twenty first step was call me. <laughs> so he called. He goes, you're you're not through twenty, are you? I said, yeah, we're sitting right here. He goes, ah, oh, you the worst is over. Just tap good, that, yeah. tap that, and here's the Phillies game, you know. But uh, yeah, so we don't know what to tell you other than I'll go back to forwarding the show. And if you're listening and you already got notifications, don't need me to do it. Just drop me a text. Hey, you don't have to update me each week because I'm on it. Because most people last week did not get notification of our podcast. As a matter of fact, a few people said they go all the way back to uh, three weeks ago. Uh, they start, They thought we stopped doing the weekly when we stopped doing the daily show. So that's a wrap, 609-828-5569. We heard from four unique Listeners last week, first-timers, telling us how much they like the show and stuff like that. And I said, would you ever like to come on? And I get the fastest answer, Coach Al, no. <laughs> right? I love the show. Do I'm you wanna, a listener. Do, that's it. Do you want to come on? <laughs> no. <laughs> we love listening, you know. So thanks for that. Uh, and Tommy, oh, man, I was almost going to wrap up and something was telling me don't. Tommy, 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 thank you a million, buddy. I put it out. I put the posse on it. Bounty, I said, X amount, you deliver this guy. I want him. I want to debate Boa, but you can never get these guys. You, got, Chad, you know what it's like. We've tried with other people. Yeah, it gets it. hard. And Tommy, within four hours, said, Dan's waiting for your phone call. And there he was. So, Tommy, excellent, buddy. You brought it all together. So, you're the Aussie Smith, Tommy. Oh, Bobby, it's Tommy. All right, so that's a wrap. Everybody have a great Monday. Yep. And God bless and uh, make a change, man. Make something happen today, all right? Peace. See you next Bye. week.